You are a church that looks at each other with jealousy and envy for the gifts that he's given to others. And you desire those gifts that others have been given. You think you know it all. That you don't need to hear the word of God on a regular basis. That, that you've learned it all and you're good. You think serving is something that you have to do. You're obligated to do. You're forced to do. You're guilted into doing. Or you're on the other side where you're here to be served. And to be taken care of by others. You're a church that has become all too comfortable with sin. Sin in your own life, sin in the relationships of people around you, and you don't say anything about it. You don't do anything about it. You're just letting it fester. You're a church that doesn't Stand in awe and respect and treasure the gifts that God gives you. The, the gift of the Lord's Supper. That, that you aren't here at every opportunity you have to, to receive that Lord's body and blood for the forgiveness of your sins. It's just something that's just not important to you at all. That you despise. You're a church with a whole lot of problems. A whole lot of sins church that's a mess that's the context to which Paul wrote to the Christians in Corinth the church was a mess they were jealous and envious of one another's gifts they were serving in order to be noticed or because they had to or they were happy to let other people serve them. They let sin dwell among them and the lives of their family members and didn't do anything about it. They were abusing and misusing the, the blessing of the Lord's Supper. The, 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 the wanting to hear God's word and, and, and continue to grow in their faith was not there. And that's why Paul wrote this letter of 1 Corinthians, to, to point out these sins with a, with a pastor's heart, a shepherd's heart, so that it could lead them to repentance. And it's within this context of all of these sins, all of this mess that's going on in this church, that Paul is led by the Spirit to write the words that are before us this morning. Words that are so well known, that are so loved, even by people who aren't Christian. Words that maybe you even know by heart. Words that often are used as a wedding text, and rightly so, but, but, but that's not the context into which they're written in a, in, a, in a wedding or even in a marriage situation. It's to every Christian. Paul says you've been living this way. This is how you've been conducting yourselves in this way as a church. Now let me tell you, let me show you the most excellent way. Listen to what Paul is inspired by the Spirit to write. 
And yet I will show you the most excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and I give my body over to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. These are God's words. There are many ways that you can live your life. There are many ways that you can go, many ways that you can look at what your life is all about. And often they revolve around what's good for me. How I can put myself before others how I can get ahead. And that's exactly what was happening in this Corinthian church. And that is what so easily can happen among this Christian church. But Paul says there is a better way. There is really what he says the most excellent way. And that is to love. Now, that word love is, is so overused and even misused in our English language, isn't it? And it's true that there are many definitions of love. Even, even within the Greek language, there are different, different words for love. There, there's the romantic love. There's the friendship love. But, but this love here that is used nine times in these verses is a deeper love than that. The love that we are to have for one another. The love that is to permeate every area of our lives. What, what our life is supposed to be about. The most excellent way of loving is the love that doesn't think of self at all. The love that always puts everyone before ourselves. In Greek, it's agape. It's a love that is selfless, a love that is unconditional, a love that says, I love you 
no matter what. It's a love that is patient and kind. It's a love that doesn't envy. It's a love that doesn't boast. It's a love that is not proud. It's a love that that doesn't dishonor. It's not self-seeking. It's a love that is not easily angered. It's a love that keeps no record of wrongs. It's a love that does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It protects, it trusts, it hopes, it perseveres, it never fails. That's the love that every Christian is called to have for every other human being. And not just the people that love us, not just the people that are closest to us, not just the people that deserve it in our eyes, but everyone. To love selflessly. Paul says this is the most excellent way. And he describes for us what what this looks like if that love is not present. And we can do all these wonderful, great things. We can give everything we have. We can give all of our possessions to the poor. We can give of our time and our abilities. We can, we can even give our life. But if there is no love there, it's nothing. We gain nothing. It's just a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. It's just noise if it isn't motivated by love. You see, because love is not just an action. Love is not just doing things. Love is the spirit in which we do it. A parent can do all sorts of things for their kids and do it in a very unloving way. But love, the spirit in which we do those things, is what God is looking for. That is the most excellent way. Without that love as the motivation, it's just nothing. Paul is led by the spirit to say here, This love, this agape love, is not just what we do and say, but why we do it and how we do it. Love is not just coming here and serving. Love is putting ourselves last and putting everyone else first with that attitude. Love is not just giving. Love is saying, everything I have belongs to God. And how can I not give of what I have been entrusted with? Love is not just saying, forget about it, don't worry about it, and holding a grudge. Love keeps no record of wrongs. The selfless love is the most excellent way. This selfless love is more than just action. It's the spirit in which we do it. And Jesus says, he said in our gospel lesson, people will know who you are by how you love. And conversely, how you don't love. You show yourself to be his disciples by how you live your life. Not just what you do, but how you do it and why you do it. And what is our life showing? What is your life reflecting? What is our, the life of our congregation reflecting to the world? Is our love present? Are we showing who we are by our love for one another, by our love for the stranger, by our love for those in this world? Do people know us by our love? 
And you look at this list, you look at, at, at what the definition of this agape selfless love is that we are called to this most excellent way and say, yeah, that sounds wonderful. I'd love to receive that kind of love and, and that'd be great to, re, to give this kind of love, but who can love like this? Who can love with a love that never fails? A love that is 100% patient. A love that is always kind. A love that always perseveres. There's a passage in 1 John chapter 4 that says, God is love. God is love. It's God equals love. Who can love like this? We look and we see a list of failures. We look and say, how could I ever even love the people closest to me like this? But yet, this is the love that God demonstrates to us. That God is patient. That God is kind. That God does not dishonor. God is not self-seeking. God is not easily angered. God keeps no record of wrongs. This love is God. Because God is love. This love can only be seen in what our God says right here. And that he does. And it's not just what he does, but why he does it. And how he does it. That God himself didn't just say, I love them. But because he is love, he becomes love and flesh for us. And when we look to the person of Jesus Christ, we see love in human flesh. We see perfect love for sinners. We see love that forgave all the way to the end. We see love that was willing to suffer hell and die for sinners like us. We see love that always perseveres. That always protects. That always trusts. A love that will never, ever, ever fail. It's in God alone that we see this kind of love, this agape love, this love that God gives us. And, and it's true that, that, that we know this love in part. Right? Paul says here that, that we only get to get a little taste of what that love is. Just the shadows of it, just, just in part, he says. But as we grow in our faith... As we mature, he says, you know, when I was a child, I talked like a child and I reasoned like a child, but I put childish ways behind me. So too, as we mature in our faith, as we grow up in that love of Christ, as we know that love more and more and more, then when we experience that love and know that love that God shows to us perfectly and endlessly, then that love in our hearts can overflow into our lives. Then that most excellent way can be our way. The way that God has first loved us. To know that love, to remain in that love, and then to be able to live that love. And to our confirmands this morning, this is a big day for you. This is one of the biggest days of your life. This is something you only do once. 
where you get to stand here and you get to confess your faith and be confirmed in your faith, receive Holy Communion for the first time. And as you leave here, you have, you have, you have a choice to make. There are two ways you can go. Uh, one way is, is you're done. One way is just to be done with this. To, to, to fall into that, that trap of thinking that, oh, I've learned it all. There's nothing more for me to learn. I, I know the Bible. I've, I've sat in classes for two years with pastor. There's the way of saying I'm done. And saying there's other things that are way more important than this. To let the things of this life crowd out your faith. And the importance of growing in your faith. There's the way of saying there's other things more important to me than this. But there's another way. There's a more excellent way. There's the most excellent way. And that is to continue to know this love that your God has for you. This love that God has proven to you in Christ Jesus. This love that you get to experience in this word of God. This love that you get to hear about as you gather here in this building. This love that you get to taste and touch in this supper. As he gives you his very own body and blood. This love that you want to remain in and to know more so that you can then live in your life. That most excellent way that God has called you by his grace into his love so that you can remain in that love and go live that love. And I hope, dear confirmands, that, that throughout our two years of instruction that that's what came through loud and clear. That God loves you with an undying, unconditional, sacrificial, selfless love. And that love is yours. And that love is eternal. And for every one of us, confirmed in the faith or not, there are three main things for you to continue to focus on in your life. And that's what Paul is led by the Spirit to say right at the end of our lesson. These three things remain. Faith. That this life is about growing in our faith. Remaining in our faith, being connected to these means of grace that strengthen us in that faith. Hope. The hope that we have an eternal life that's waiting for us. The hope that is built on Jesus Christ alone and everything that he has accomplished for us. That that alone is what gives us confidence in this life. But these will pass away. Because someday you're going to be in heaven and, and, and you won't need faith anymore because you're going to be with God. You have realized the hope of your faith. You'll be in heaven, but one thing remains forever. Love. That perfect love God has for you. That he has loved you from eternity. Chose you to make chose you to be his very own. He loves you right now as he continues to pour out on you every spiritual blessing through Christ Jesus and that love lasts forever. 
The greatest of these is love because it endures forever. Dear confirmands, dear Christians, know that love of God. Live in that love of God. Remain in that love of God. Go and show the world that love of God. That is the most excellent way. God grant it. Amen.